Hello and welcome to the Chasing Faith podcast. This is going to become a place for us to discuss issues of faith in a way that leads us towards a more authentic, open, honest, and generous expression of what we truly believe. I'm Brandon Batson. I'm the producer of this podcast and the Communications and Connections Director here at Christ Church in New York City. I'm here with your host, the Reverend Dr. Stephen Bauman, the Senior Minister here at Christ Church. Each week, our podcast will begin with Steve giving a short talk on whatever subject we might be covering that week, followed by a discussion between the two of us and guests of the podcast. Our guest today is Jeff Lieberman. Jeff lives in New York City with his wife, two teenage children, and their two Havanese dogs, George and Dano. Jeff grew up in New Jersey without religious affiliation and has been attending Christ Church since 1999, where he and his children were all baptized. Professionally, Jeff has been investing in growth-oriented technology companies at Insight Partners for over two decades. So today, I am really pleased to be welcoming Jeff Lieberman to the microphone and to this podcast, Chasing Faith. Jeff has been a member of Christ Church, I don't know, Jeff, maybe 20 years? Has it been that long? 20 years, yeah. It's hard to believe, actually. You were a mere child when you joined. But Jeff, um, in this podcast, we're having conversations, Brandon Batson and myself are having conversations with uh, various people about their life of faith. And maybe the best way to begin is for you to just simply tell us about yourself. Give us some, give us a framework of who is Jeff Lieberman, and then, and then from there we'll be asking some questions about how your faith came to be and how it evolved, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So who, so who is Jeff Lieberman? <laughs> absolutely, and, and and you hit it right. I, I actually did meet you when I was a, I was a young adult <laughs> and a. Uh, <laughs> I think spiritually and emotionally a, a mere child. So I was in my early to mid twenties when that all happened or mid twenties, probably. So I would definitely looking back now, 20 years later, say I was a very young child, uh, spiritually, emotionally in a, you know, a, a 20 years old body. Um, but, uh, you know, revving forward, um, were my family and I have been longtime, uh, Christ church, um, members. And, uh, I have, two wonderful children, a 14-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl, and we live downtown, and we kind of schlep up to Christ Church every Sunday because um, it really means a, a ton to us in terms of our evolution as individuals and as a family. Um, I work in Midtown in the tech industry, so we invest in companies like Zencaster, which is the software we're using. Um, <laughs> not precisely Zencaster. Um, oh, but, shucks. Uh, but, uh, and, and things like Zoom. Um so we're, uh, I kind of keep my, uh, my intellect alive on the professional side, just looking at new things and new technologies and of evolution of uh, where society is going and how technology intersects with that, which is super fun and uh, probably cool for a different conversation. But um, that's, that's who we are. Um, so so um, now we have a kind of a broad idea of who you are and what you do and that you are a family man, and so on. Um, but tell us how you found your way into faith, whatever that might be for you. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a long story actually, which we'll start. I mean, my, it's my wife's fault. Um, so I'll blame her. Um, <laughs> we love Holly. We love Holly. So Holly's also, yeah, she's a lifelong Methodist. So, um, she and I met in college, we moved to New York and started dating in New York and, uh, ultimately we got engaged and, um, I was not part of any religious group and we'll talk about that in a second, but, um, part and parcel to us getting engaged was, um, her desire and need being a lifelong Methodist to find a church. So we were living in Midtown at the time. So literally Sunday after Sunday, we went to different churches across all denominations. And one day we walked, it was 1999. We walked into Christ church. Um, and, uh, essentially, um, Listen, it was actually uh, Javier was preaching that morning in the small, it was a 9 a.m. service. And we walked out, we both looked at each other and we felt like we had found a place that, you know, we would call home, that we could call home. And we felt it deeply. Um, uh, it was a, it was a comforting thing. Um, and I, I think for me, and I'll talk about my journey prior to that, because it's, it's probably a little bit more interesting. Um, the thing that I felt was the inclusion um, you know, my last name is Lieberman. Uh, my mother's last name was Covington. So a Jewish man marries a Irish Catholic woman, um, and has, you know, three kids of which we never went to a formal service as a child. So massive devoid of, of, uh, of religion. Um, so the, the notion of inclusivity, uh, and belonging, uh, which was the feeling that I got at Christchurch, um, was super, I think, again, in hindsight was probably the really what mattered most to me at that point. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we got involved, you know, stepping back to my childhood, as I said, you know, my, I grew up in New Jersey, um, very middle-class family. My dad's an electrician. Um, he was Jewish. My mom's Catholic. I literally didn't, um, attend a, a service. So there was no God talk. There was no God. Um, there was no not God talk either. There was just nothing. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was so, so when I, you know, met you, Steve, it was, it, I was truly a child, as I said earlier, um, emotionally and, uh, and spiritually. Um, so the journey really started in 1999. And I think prior to that, there was no reflection, no introspection, um, on any of those things emotionally or spiritually. Um, so it was kind of devoid, um, did Holly take you kicking and screaming to church or were you amenable or what were you, what were you feeling at the time? I was in love. You know, it was funny. I, I was, um, I mean, that's definitely 80% of it. Um, and, you know, I kind of, you know, we kind of laugh about it, but you know, when we think about what, we talk about at Christ church and what I think about it as church. I mean, I do think it was, you know, I, I think it is love. Um, right. Um, and I was probably more open to it than I, you know, it wasn't a conscious thing. It was like, I was in love. She wanted to do this. That was important to her. Um, and you know, there's part of, I didn't know it, but there was part of me that wanted it too. I just didn't know what it was. So there was no kicking and screaming at all. I just kind of went along for the ride. Um, and, you know, thankfully so. Um, so there, you know, things happen for funny reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. So then, so what happened? Uh, 
in terms of the emergence of your own faith. And you, you've indicated that you felt at home. So that's an entree, obviously. Um, but so how would you talk about that? So, I mean, just to give you a sense, it took me, so we've been going to Christ church for 20 years, um, you know, religiously, um, <laughs> it, it took me nine years actually to join Christ church. Right. So the, you know, it was a home, but it was still distant, um, and didn't feel like home uh, or it felt like home, but wasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't call it home yet. Right. I, I, it wasn't, I wasn't secure enough in that. Um, and I, you know, nine years later on an Easter Sunday, you baptized me. Right. So, um, that's, so it took, it took almost a decade, uh, from that, that start. Um, and, you know, early on, you know, I was a professional in New York kind of doing the New York thing, going fast and, you know, shucking and jiving and doing what you got to do. Right. Um, and at first it was, there was a feeling, I didn't understand the feeling, but to me it was the intellectual, um, the intellectualism and the music, frankly, that were comforting. Um, so it was very thought driven. And, you know, over time, you know, over the last 20 years, the thoughts have moved to feelings and emotion versus thoughts. Um, so it's, it's moved from the rational mind to the call it mystical or more uh, emotional mind, um, which is, you know, a journey that has pockmarks and, you know, cliffs and ups and downs along the way. But it's definitely started off as a rational, wow, this makes a lot of sense. And it was a, it helped me as a young person in New York deal with kind of the craziness and the separation of that doesn't, that stuff really doesn't matter. So don't take it so seriously, which was helpful. Um, and then over time it, it became more of a deeper spirituality and, and uh, emotional thing. It's, um, so it went from your head to your heart. That's the language I'm thinking about what you've better, just you just You have better words than I have, yes. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just, but that that's an interesting journey going from head to heart. And then um, it's not a, like you've let your brain go. You just opened up, you became bigger in a sense, right? Is that a way to think of it? Yeah, that's a, absolutely a way to think about it. Um, you know, you know, for a whole host of reasons as a kid, everything was head-based and there was a lot of non-heart thinking uh, or feeling. Um, and there wasn't a lot of like deep committed love. So, I mean, at, at the at the most macro level, um, you know, and, and the journey continues today, it's, you know, you say, you know, you are love beyond, you know, all your wildest imaginations. That's a hard thing for it, it, rationally impossible to accept. Um, and then given the starting point I came with, which was a void of that, um, that's been a journey and, you know, on good days I feel it and on, you know, other days I don't. And, you know, every day it gets a little bit better. Right. Um, but that's the, that's the sinking into the heart piece, right. And just letting go and trusting. Um, cause I didn't have that at all for, you know, 25 years. Um, and it was devoid of any of that. Um, so it's, it's, and it's, I think it's hard to learn as an adult, that stuff then, you know, as a child because there, there's probably some neurological things and some basics of psychology but um, that didn't exist it's harder in other words as a child it's easier to accept or or, or have that relationship with god or something else i i, I because it was void in my life um yeah. there's no foundation there so you have to build a foundation gotcha. um, 
you know, a trusting foundation, right? Which is a, it's a huge leap, right? And it, you know, intellectually hard leap, um, emotionally feels really good. But, um, I think in my childhood, it wasn't, it, it wasn't so much that, um, there's still, it was a lack of, you know, that support and love and like the notion of unconditional, you were loved unconditionally that, I mean, that, that statement never occurred, right? There was just none of that, right? So therefore, you know, you always say the opposite of love is fear. And, you know, I think that's probably what I was motivated by and driven by from an anxiety and fear standpoint. Yeah. Um, right. And that's, then that becomes a lifelong, okay, how do you replace, how do you change, how do you get rid of that and replace it with the love? Yeah. That's, right? a, that's a big deal actually that, goes unspoken for most a lot of people actually so as you emerge nine years in you uh decided to become baptized and tell, tell me about that um you know i i think it was just an important marker um uh, in terms of just taking a step forward and it, an important piece of you know just another step on the path to um marking it. Um, and that was, you know, so it was a, I think a really emotional step forward to actually not be afraid of letting go. Right. So I think it was all about letting go and trusting. Um, and this was one step forward on that. And I don't think prior to that, I was ready to do it. It would have been too rote. It wouldn't have meant anything. Um, so it's, you know, I joined for a reason, not for, because it was the right thing to do. It was at that point, it was, it felt like not, I, it, not for love of Holly, not for love of Holly. <laughs> no, it was, it was the notion of letting go of my fears. Right. And saying, okay, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to trust and have faith, um, in this. Um, so, you know, um, in confirmation classes, you know, and we're bringing kids along, there historically has been a lot of information that's supposed to be provided to kids that has to do with the history of the church and the doctrines and the statements of faith and the creeds and whatnot. And I always had in the back of my mind that if I could get kids, quite apart from all of that information, if I could simply have kids understand that the whole point of it at the end of the day uh, is to have an active prayer life because that would be indicative of the fact that there was a real relationship. Does that, does that idea connect with, with you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the, you know, for years during this period, if I was having a bad week and I was stressed about whatever earthly stress there was and, you know, at some level, it's all nonsensical. Um, some job issue, some this issue, whatever it is, it's all minor in the scheme of the universe. Um, the, the notion of going to church was just a touch point back to like a deeper being, a deeper relationship, um, you know, and, and, you know, what matters most ultimately, right? Um, and this other stuff doesn't matter. Um, and if you don't have that, uh, it's then the little stuff does become a big problem, right? Cause you have nothing else to, there's no foundation. So I, I think that's absolutely the case. And, you know, at least for me 
as I looked into religion at different points, um, the doctrine was confusing, right? And uh, the details were confusing and the stories, like all, all that stuff's actually confusing, but at the core level, um, you know, a, a loving God that, you know, loves you unconditionally um, and that you should love others with the same um, heart, um, pretty simple um, and powerful. Um, and I think if you kind of buy into that, um, then all else follows. Uh, not easy to buy into, but, um, you know, and there's good days and bad days on those things, but I think all else follows. Um, but I do think we get, you know, coming at it from an outsider perspective, people get so trapped in the doctrine, I think that it's it's dangerous and um, versus the, the fundamentals of having a relationship and um, understanding what love is all about and what God is all about in that respect, simply. Yep. Brandon and I have had an ongoing conversation about the dangers of that you're pointing to in terms of no i mean i mean growing up the way that you know i did which was which was completely different you know you in kind of evangelical circles you enter in through complete experiential emotional and don't think about it too much because then you might question it or you may you know have questions along the way when we're you know, laying out these very prescriptive things that you have to believe in order to be saved, in order to participate in this community, in order to do, you know, to serve, to do anything. And so, like, I think what Steve was saying about laying out faith as something that is truly relationship and that it is something where you're, you have a relationship and you're praying to God and you're seeking constantly and you never stop asking questions like i think that is what keeps people engaged and what um what kind of happens to a lot of people that i know is that they enter in in that experiential and emotional way but then the moment that they engage their brain they're like i can't even be a part of this anymore because like i've I, i'm i'm deconstructing everything that i was told is the basis for which i'm a part of this you know and so like almost the exact opposite of the funnel of how you came in is uh, like, I feel like a very negative way to come in. Yeah. It, it's funny you say that. Cause I think prior to that, prior to me getting into it all, I mean, the notion of like, I always thought like, you know, if I'm a Christian or, or I go to church, like you're in or out relative to the club and you're in or out relative to heaven and hell, um, which, <laughs> you know, the rational mind of me just, totally refuted because like what is my father going to go to hell because he's a jew and um you know my grandpa like it, none of it made any sense and i i just couldn't like couldn't even go there um so that whole line didn't make sense to me so you know i guess it, it's to me it's much simpler and more mystical relative to like this relationship with you know a supreme power that we happen to call god um that loves us unconditionally and that wants us, you know, has created all these things and we're brothers and sisters to people and animals. And, and it's, it, it, it drives my compassion for sure. Um, and that's been part and parcel with the journey. It's like, oh gosh, we're all connected and we're all children of the same, whatever it may be, the same thing. Um, which I think has so, profound impacts. So from that, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, thinking that that your faith and this relationship has infused or 
yeah, I guess infused your meaning making for life. Is that an accurate thing to say? Yeah, it, it, yeah, absolutely. And I think the, I mean, the, the, the challenge is starting where I started, I was emotionally not, I was very immature and I didn't feel it. Right. It was, it was an, it was, I lived in a rational mind only. Um, so now that I'm in this journey of allowing these things in and, you know, it's a, a little bit, a little bit, it's, it's hard, right? Like, cause you feel, um, you get mad, you get angry, you get upset. And, you know, I don't always know how to deal with those feelings. Right. Um, but I have this range of feelings that I wasn't prepared for as a kid to actually deal mm. with. Um, but you know, I, I, every time I have one, I, 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 not every time, but I try to remind myself that like, this is, this is the, you know, I, I feel this of like, li- you know, what, what is it saying to me and what does it mean to me? And like, what should I do with it? Um, and absent that when you're in your rational head, it doesn't matter. And, you know, you look at our, our current, you know, status in the world and what people do and their behaviors and, and like, you know, it's, it, 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 yeah, it's infuriating in many respects. So, um, and, and painful, um, versus the other way where you just stick your head in the sand and, and not feel it with your heart. Um, so yeah, that it's these reminders you get the zingers. Um, so, and it's definitely changes how you think about your fellow human, I think. Um, because you feel for them um, compassionately because we're connected. And um, and in many days you would rather not because it's just easier, right? Like I'll just, you know, go to my little thing and not bother with people. Um, it's definitely so, less. So um, pre-faith, what was your meaning making? I, I wasn't intentional enough to actually think about that. I, I think I was driven by um, – a fear of failure, which allowed me to succeed in you know, worldly things. Mm-hmm. But I, it wasn't a, there was not a, and I knew I wanted to leave where I was. So that, that was probably a driver just to get out instinctually of the situation. You know, I, I wanted to leave. Right. Um, so I went away and, you know, but it wasn't a, it wasn't in, I wasn't, um, it wasn't a reasoned out, thought out thing. It was just an instinctual thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're fortunate that you had an active intuition. <laughs> you know, My intuition's always been good. That's always been good. But it's not, and, and, and you know, now I'm, in, you know, now I'm, I have an intuition, but then I'm intentional about it. And I think through the, right. And, yeah. and a lot of that, you know, frankly, is my wife has, you know, Holly helps, like we have these discussions and she's very intentional. So she drags me to the front of intentionality on these things. <laughs> um, but that's something I would say over 20 years, my intentionality across all aspects of life has increased a lot um, yeah. from a very, very low base, but I've always had good instincts. That was, yeah, I was fortunate in that respect. Yeah. How has your faith permeated the rest of your life, like, like your work. Talk about that a bit. Yeah. I, you know, I think from a work standpoint, um, you know, two things I would say there is one is, um, the way I spend time with, so I work with entrepreneurs. I have a a team of people that work for me and just how you treat them. Um, you know, so the notion of how do I mentor them and actually, arm them with skills, capabilities, wisdom, um, and invest time in them to nurture them as human beings. Um, 
both from an entrepreneurial side and kind of people that actually work for me. So I, I probably have spent, I'm more intentional about it um, and spend more time um, cultivating and nurturing, not for the sake that, you know, they'll do better for me, but because they're humans and like, uh, you know, I can give a little and, you know, they're going to, they're going to take it on to the next level. Um, I've infused some of that actually with, um, with my views on, you know, the world and how do we expose them to a, a broader set of issues um, in a workplace. So small example would be um, we have a monthly book club and the only rule we had in the book club is we started five or six years ago. And this is at all, work. This is a work, work book club. Yeah. Okay. There's about 12 of us who do this. They all work for me. Um, and once a month we, we discuss a book and the, uh, the only rule is it can't be a business book. So we've ranged topics and in a work environment, we're able to get to a space and have a conversation on things that actually matter. Right. So, um, we've read things like, um, Frankel's man search for meaning. We've read things like Malcolm X. We've read things like born a crime by Noah, uh, Trevor Noah. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to watch these people that don't go to church actually engage on these things and they probably have no safe place to do it. Um, and, you know, I'm not there to, to um, per se, but it's more just, you know, how do we develop ourselves as humans um, and, that, and that connectivity and relationship. And I think um, stylistically with entrepreneurs and these people that work for me, I'm just more open to showing them who I am and what matters to me uh, and talking about these things that are important, um, hmm. which has definitely changed. Do, do people at work know your involvement at a church? I talk about it, yeah. And what do they think? Do they think, you know, <laughs> what do they make of that? Because they I don't, mean, go they don't say much. Um, <laughs> they think it's probably odd. Um, you know, I don't think, I, I would say 95% of the people at work probably have no organized religious life. If I had right. a guess. But you don't sense any negativity about that. No, just more odd. Or, uh, yeah, you know. But, um, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I was going to say that uh, Melissa recently retired. Uh, June, mm -hmm. You know, the last. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For all of us, I guess. Yeah. Although, um, but and there was a Zoom um, retirement event that to which I was invited, and so I just kind of sat in and listened. But the the principal. Um, speaker um, said to Melissa, I said, among other things that were glowing and nice and so on, it was very, very well done. But he said, um, you know, it is said that there are people who are spiritual but not religious. And I want to identify that you are spiritual and religious. It was kind of an, a curious observation <laughs> to make in a secular public setting. It was an intriguing thing. Uh, and to this person who was telling her, that was an, evidently an important uh, matter to disclose in the course of this whole litany of things. I just thought it was interesting. Most often that kind of thing does not happen in secular settings. Um, and I was just, I, I'm just curious about especially in New York City, as you know, 
how faith and work environments intersect. Um, do you have other thoughts about that? Not just out of your particular experience, but more broadly thoughtful about the what that question might mean? Well, you know, I, I do think young people in the workforce yearn, they're yearning for something um, that they're not getting. Um, and it's probably a little bit what Brandon talked about. Their version of religion was probably a pretty over the top, tough version that they're rebelling against. Um, but they threw away the baby in the bathwater in a sense. Right. Um, and it's, it's all gone. So I, I think, you know, they want to have emotional vulnerable discussions. Um, I think across all, all these, all these people, they just don't know where to have them. And, you know, the social media, um, which captures so much of their time is clearly not the place that it's happening. So we need, we need these events where people are vulnerable and open, um, mm -hmm. to actually have relationship with one another, um, and see, you know, understand points of view and otherwise. So I, I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's, it, to me, it's fascinating to, to see how they yearn because they, they love these things, um, right. that, that we do, which to me is fascinating. I'll, I'll give you another, I, I talked to, um, a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I work with them, um, deeply mentor them, work with them, um, have the privilege of learning from them. And, um, when we talk, um, and I, I have a big cadre of them that every two weeks we talk to one-on-ones, 95% of the conversation is about things that matter most, um, not about their business. Interesting. So, so, and these are very, very successful entrepreneurs that are doing amazing things in their respective industries. Yet the best conversations I have are talking about things in the world and how do we think about it and what are we doing and, you know, where are things going and why are you feeling the way you're feeling? And I mean, it's, it's a total, it's a, it's a spiritual and emotional discussion, not a business discussion for, for the vast majority of it. I, I think that, churches have moved away from those kinds of conversations like in the context of church right like at least in my experience like church is very prescriptive and this is how you should do and here's 10 ways that you can you know be a better person or a better dad or you know fix your finances or whatever but people have like way bigger questions than that right and providing opportunity for people to realize that there are you know there are opportunities for that within the context of church i think is really important i think a lot of people come to new york city you know they do come from you know other places and they come here because something you know didn't feel right where they grew up like something wasn't answering their questions wasn't scratching their itch and I think you're right. Like I think a lot of people who end up in new york have like bad religious experiences and have like a very like tunnel vision of like, that's what church is. And I think having these kinds of conversations with people at work and stuff kind of opens people back up to thinking like, Oh, well maybe there is a place for me uh, to be spiritual or to be open to religion or, you know, you know, I think that is true. Um, what Christ church has tried to do is to provide both an opportunity to affirm something that is profoundly true and mm. simultaneously to have an open-handedness about it so that we don't grip it uh, tightly um, as though we weaponize it then. 
but it has to be held open-handedly or the truth begins to drain out. You squeeze it out if you keep your fists clenched, you know? That's kind of been my attitude about this. Hmm. Um, on the other hand, it's a tricky matter to um, reach out to others, to invite them. I mean, you had the advantage of having Holly, <laughs> who brought you brought you along. Um, <clears throat> but you know, the church has a... A church like ours has a, kind of a more daunting task in front of us. It's not a easy PZ one, two, three, as Brandon just indicated. Um, on the other hand, what we believe that we're doing is doing what you have just described, which is uh, addressing the things that matter most. And at root and at the bottom of that is God. And um, out of that experience, um, we fashion our lives and our meaning making, right? Are there other things that's come to mind, uh, Jeff, that are important to say about how faith has uh, been manifest in your life, and or maybe something about where you see yourself, how you're how you're evolving? Maybe that would be a way to go. How are you evolving in this way? Yeah, I mean, I think the um, we spend a lot of time as a family. Um, in um, thinking about serving others, um, Holly spends all her time, and I spend all my time talking to her about her spending all her time <laughs> on, uh, on El Nido. Um, and, you know, we've been very fortunate um, in terms of... You know, maybe before you go on, we might just say very quickly, El Nido is a program of Christ Church that is working with mothers and with children of zero to three years of age in the Washington Heights area of New York City, uh, under the rubric of breaking the back of poverty and the zip code. That's kind of our internal um, mantra, if you will. But the actual work um, is with these families and mothers. And the idea being that the earlier the intervention for a child, the better and healthier these families live under the poverty line and many are immigrant families in Washington Heights. I just wanted to define that for our listeners who, um, since you've identified it and Holly, Jeff's wife has had a, she's like a founder of this program. Then it's been going on for a number of years. So I just wanted to provide that little background. Yeah. It's, it's amazing work they're doing. Um, especially during the times of COVID and the needs in the neighborhood. Um, and you know it's 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 being proximate to these families and um, individuals um, that you you feel you feel what they feel, um, and you know it's it's you can write a check, um, and if you're never close, you don't really feel it, right? So this goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier around you know letting the feelings in, but the more proximate you are, um, the more painful it is but the more impactful it is relative to changing who you are and, you know, the closer you are to, I think all of God's creation in that respect. Um, so, you know, as, as I think about my evolution on that, um, you know, again, I would say that as a child, there wasn't the notion of, um, it, it was all about survival, um, not about helping others. Um, so this was not something I was trained in or I didn't see emulated. Um, uh, you know, there's no, so 
this too has been a journey. Um, yeah. And you know, now I'm at a point where, um, you know, financially I've been, uh, we've been very blessed um, in terms of just career choices and other things. Um, and there's a lot of privilege and other things associated with all that. And, you know, the question is, you know, it's kind of, um, there's a book by, I think, Buford's guy named the second half. Like, how do you spend the second half, right? Um, and, you know, we have certain time, energy, and treasure resources, and how do we best use them uh, in the context of um, helping, uh, uh, you know, God's creations? And, you know, Holly and I have spent a lot of time on that, and our, you know, our current thinking is we really want to focus on um, kind of the, the lesser um, and those that are helpless, uh, which to us is um, A, the planet, because it can't really defend itself, uh, and B, um, just people in, in poverty, uh, which is a lot of the work she's doing. Um, and, you know, the question then is, okay, how do you use the next half of your life to actively um, do that? So that's what we, we spend a lot of time thinking about as a family, not just the mm. of our kids. And it's, I think it's all in the context of the connectivity and the relationship of God at some level, um, because, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's all one, right? I, I fundamentally believe God is everywhere. Uh, and we're all God's creations. And on my best days, you know, I see God everywhere. Um, you know, <laughs> um, and you know, it's saddening to me, right? This goes back to the emotional piece. It's sad when somebody cuts down the trees, right? Because it's, it's a creation of God, and there's all the the bugs and the animals that live in those things. So, you know, I, I kind of get mad and outraged over it. Um, um, so, um, but it's painful, right? Um, uh, other, any other thoughts that you might have, like, <clears throat> excuse me, how the, what the role of the church might be as we evolve in the future, vis-a-vis uh, promoting these elemental matters that are so fundamental to living well and loving well. Any thoughts about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's an amazing time, right? I mean, I think the church has done a, 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 frankly, a poor job of, uh, of promoting, you know, first principles of love, right? I mean, if we think about, um, you know, all the current issues, whether it's, you know, loving our planet and climate change and what the church has and hasn't, has done very little, uh, whether it's Black Lives Matter and the history of, uh, you know, oppressive racism within our, our systems, um, whether it's, you know, the splintering around, um, all the, you know, gender issues and, um, diversity around that, whether it's, um, in sexuality, whether it's, um, so I, I think the church has done a, a, a poor job historically. The question is, what do we do going forward? Um, and if we focused on love, like we just be more inclusive. Um, and even in this moment, um, in, in the times of like COVID, you know, we political, we politicized all of the, um, all the issues. And at some level it's like, you know, one could argue over the science around mask wearing, for example, but if we actually loved our brothers and sisters um, in creation, then we just wear a mask. Um, it, it, it's pretty simple. It does uh, seem like a no brainer, doesn't it? And that, right. <laughs> but, but, right. But, but there's a weird narcissism and individualism that like runs in stark contrast to 
every single Bible story um, that Jesus is in, right? Um, about, you know, what would Jesus, I mean, not not to use the even, what would Jesus yes. do, but like, what would Jesus do? I mean, I, I, I think he'd like, he'd be handing out masks to everybody being like, this will save, you know, grandma, but more importantly, equally importantly, it's going to help, you know, society get back up and functioning so that um, the people that are taking the brunt of it are the, you know, the, the poor. Um, so yeah, maybe it doesn't hurt you, but like, wow, your, your, your actions have a lot of impact on others. And that's, that's been troubling me of late. Um, just, uh, and, and I think there's a church piece in that, that we're not showing the leadership on. Uh, we meaning Christians, we mean, Christians. Yeah. yeah, 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 churches in general. Um, well, I think, I, I think you're right. And I also think, um, your observation is useful for Christchurch too, just to say how, how, when we are back in business, as it were, how are we going to conceive of our ministry now going forward or our, our communal life? What, what are we about? What are we focused on? How are we going to put that together? So these are useful conversations to help us think through that matter as well as a community of faith. Um, Jeff, I have, really appreciated your openness and uh, transparency. And of course, I've appreciated you a lot anyway for <laughs> what you've been uh, contributing to the life of the family of Christ Church. And um, I'm so glad that you found us <laughs> with Holly's help. Likewise, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the, uh, you know, it's been a it's been a great journey and, you know, looking forward to you know, just think how much I, I'm just—I'm an adolescent in my spiritual <laughs> life at this point. So I got—I got a lot of—I got a lot of journey ahead of me. So um, no, it's going to—it's uh, it's going to be exciting to see. I'm—you know—I'm not done yet myself in this <laughs> business. So I'm looking forward to seeing how you continue to evolve, and we'll be doing that together. And that's a good thing. Yeah, it's actually fun, right? I mean, that's the, I mean, it, it's, you know, if you, if you take it up a level and, you know, you don't get too buried in the day to day of it all, it's like, wow, this has been a, it's been fun. Um, well, and, you know, when I think about you and as I, as we've now heard your story, you've, you've traveled great distance, you know, you really have. And um, that's a beautiful thing to see. And it's also good to, that's why we're having these podcasts really to some degree is to take stock of, of, how faith does move us into our fullness and, you know, helps us become who God intended to begin with and so on. And, and to get, get a grab on that. Um, not that we're obviously none of us have walked the same path. Brandon's path was uh, very different than the path I had and what you had. And, and yet here we are having this conversation about a God who loves all of us and everyone else who's not on the screen as well. And it's a very powerful thing. Very powerful. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting you say that because even as I reflect on the conversation, you know, I, it's easy in hindsight to say, yes, that's, you know, it, it's God doing these things. But like, I wouldn't have been so presumptuous given where I came from to say, you know, God do these things for me or God is doing these things. <laughs> yeah. but when I look back, it's like, Wow, that's mysterious how this all worked. And like, yeah, you know, it is a um, great mystery. It is a um, great mystery. Yeah, in, in the most amazing, great ways. Yeah.